With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink football. Enjoy your H10 Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace, and we record this on a rare Sunday evening. We used to do Sunday evenings, but we record it this Sunday evening, and just so happens we're doing this minutes after Iowa's miraculous comeback against Northwestern. They were down by 15 points uh, with 4.30 to go. They trailed by 10 with 3.10 to go, down by 5 with 1.24 to go. And then down by two with three seconds to go before Jordan Bohannon, who had been very quiet for much of the game until about the last two or three minutes, hits uh, another crazy bomb to win it. And Steve, I was sitting there next to my nine-year-old who would just come in and she was waiting for me to hook up Netflix so she could watch Stuart Little and ask me when this was over. I said, hey... There's just 10 seconds left, and she's like, "Well, who do you think's going to win?" I'm like, "You know, I've just seen, I've just seen Iowa in this spot too many times and, and not come through. I, I don't think they're going to win." And Jordan Bohannon hits the shot, and my my nine year old right on cue says, "How do you like me now?" And I had to laugh out loud at that. <laughs> <laughs> she's been taught well, running smack right in my face. Holy cow! Um, I. It, I haven't really collected my thoughts. I mean, Iowa was listless for much of the game. And there's no, you know, we, we talk about this in football, Steve, early in the seasons when, uh, let's say, Iowa plays against a, a mid level opponent and wins 24 23. You're like, well, sometimes, you know, the, the good news is that you won and the coaches get an, a teaching opportunity and a win to cut up all that film. It's much better to do that than in a loss. And um, February hasn't been kind to Iowa often in the McCaffrey era. Down the stretch hasn't been kind. Iowa's now 3-0 to start February. They should have lost this game by all intents and purposes. They won. We'll see if it pays dividends. Well, I don't don't know how a win like this wouldn't pay dividends. And to me, I, I thought the whole story of this game is, you know, yeah, Iowa had some uh, you know some bad drops but in for the game i think they only had like 11 turnovers i thought the story of the game really is that iowa didn't finish enough at the rim uh so they so that meant that northwestern's possessions where it had to face that half court press were limited because you can't set it up after misses and if you just go back and I, i'm i'm sh- I'll, I'll be confident if folks just go back and watch the tape of this game and it's just my reaction to having watched the whole thing live. But 
there were two games that were played here this evening. There was the game played after an Iowa make when Iowa was able to set up its half-court trap, and then there was the game played every time Iowa couldn't do that. And whenever Iowa couldn't do that, I, I would be willing of the 79 points that Northwestern scored tonight, I'd be willing to bet 75% of them just from watching the game came off of possessions where they didn't have to face that half-court trap. They looked, they looked beyond scared. And you could watch Chris Collins just getting frustrated and yelling at his players. And number 21 in particular, whose stat line is going to look pretty good uh, in the box score. I think that's Turner for Northwestern. But uh, he looked really scared handling the basketball. Missed a free throw, a front end of a one-and-one. That was really, that was really, I thought, the only time Northwestern, quote-unquote, choked. You know, if you're going to have a huge comeback like this, the other team's got to pucker a little bit. I didn't really think Northwestern puckered all that much. Well, Steve, you just talked about the half-court trap. Oh, they sucked against the half-court trap the whole game. That didn't just happen the last few minutes. It's just Iowa got more makes the last few minutes, so they were able to run the trap more often. All right, but Northwestern sucked against that trap the entire game. Uh, you know, Turner was struggling uh, to be strong with the ball, and Collins was all over him. And then when they would, they would cross half-court, they would do odd things. Like, I, I just watched Vic Law dribble all the way down to the corner into a double team and then have to burn a timeout, you know, I, that, stuff like that. So to me, I, I just think this game came down to, yeah, you can nitpick, um, you know, and, and I didn't understand playing five minutes with the lineup of Bear, Kreiner, uh, Daly, McCaffrey, and Cook. Um, I, I, I don't know about that lineup, but, you know, okay. But you're going to have those things in the ebb and flow of the game, and this is a really good league. Uh, uh, you know, this game to me was two things. Garza was terrible, uh, and he, you know, just had a bad game. And Bohannon looked like he was going to be terrible with him until the last three minutes of this game. I think he scored 13 points or something in 90 seconds. So that's like freaking bust out the NES and let's play dr double dribble stuff. I mean, that's crazy. But but really, it just came down to Iowa started making enough shots in the last few minutes to force Northwestern to keep having to play every possession against that half-court trap. And, you know, if they had made more shots at the rim earlier in the game, there's no way Northwestern gets to 79 points in this game because they struggled against that trap the entire time. So I, I just really think in, the bottom line was Iowa didn't finish enough at the rim. And, you know, Vic Law was insane in the first half and then didn't do much in the second half. Iowa just didn't finish enough at the rim. And, and, and that gave Northwestern a chance over and over again to not have to face that half-court trap. And I thought that was the difference in the game. Bohannon had, yeah, 13 points in the last 205. And, boy, that, uh, that kid's, that kid's going to go down in the Iowa Hawkeye fan uh, memory banks. Legendary status. Not for coming back and sure. beating, not for coming back and beating Northwestern on three. I'm talking body of work. Um, what what a what a gutty gutty player! You have to foul there. I, I have been on this for years. I, I'm going to tell you right now. They're only down I, two. I, They're only down I, two. Yeah, I am. I I am. I'm prison molesting if I'm the other team's coach. And I got in this argument with Iowa State fans a few years ago when Hoiberg was, was he didn't believe in it. And what what watch Iowa State over and over again give up the three pointer to win or tie at the end. No way. You are not getting that off, man. We are 
we are we are reenacting a scene from the from with Ada BC Schillinger and Oz. I am never letting you get that shot off if I am the opposing coach. I, I don't understand that. It's one of my great frustrations watching teams. You know, it's right up there with don't punt inside the 38-yard line of your opponent. You don't have to run the ball on first and goal for the nine for negative three yards. And and don't let him get the three-point shot off at the end. Um, and, and really, the Northwestern guy was really not even anywhere near him. He did make him change the shot. I mean, that was not an easy shot. That was beyond the NBA line. And it was going against uh, the grain uh, of, of, you know, where his body lean was. But I am not letting him get that off. And I don't know why teams do this. We watch this every week. It makes no sense to me. Iowa was only down two at that point. You still want to foul him out there? Uh, yeah. I'm not letting you get that shot off because here's the thing. If I foul you, well, wait a minute. Was Iowa the double bonus there? I forgot. They were the double bonus. My bad. Okay. So, wrong rant. I'm a, I apologize. You're, I forgot Northwestern had 17 or some of the fouls in the game. Okay. So, my bad. All right. You're right. They were only down by two. My fault. Okay. My bad. Sorry. My rant still stands. I still don't understand why teams don't sweat to do that, though. But thank you for the correction. Man, I was trying to throw you a bone. Before you started going on your rant, I was saying, they're down by two. They're just down by two. But you just ran right through it. That's all right. I've been That's there. all right. You know me. I don't. I, I, I've never heard of a speed bump I couldn't run over. <laughs> Go ahead. There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the Hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. Wieskamp with 21. And you talked about him a couple of weeks ago, seeing a little dog in his game. Uh, maybe I wasn't seeing. I, I think, I think he's gotten more aggressive now. His back is not in good shape after this, and hopefully, it's just a, a pulled muscle and not something more, con- more, more concerning. But the the more the season has gone on, especially these last couple of weeks, the more aggressive he's got. And he just has a way to get skinny around the basket. If he goes left, I think a lot of players are just going to assume he's going to go up with his left hand and he's sneaking those little righties past them. Just some mm-hmm. really weird angles. That that kid, tell you what, if he can stay healthy, he might break Marble's record. Here, here, Let me give you one play late in the game as an example of what I mean. Okay, So the reason why a lot of teams outside of, you know, there won't be another Big Ten game this year where a guy scores 13 points in 93 seconds to come back and win. Okay, that won't happen in another game this year, and it hasn't been a game yet. So aside from that, though, you there there are subtle little things that you have to do to take advantage of things like when when Vic Law misses the back end of a of, of two a two shot foul at the end, or um, the Taylor kid misses the front end of a one on one. And one of the things that teams, another mistake teams make in this situation is they think they have to keep shooting threes. Uh, and, and, they, and they end up wasting time off the clock looking to get an angle from a three-point shot. And, and they end up, in, in essence, going into their own version of a four-corner offense and then force something up. And they limit their possessions. And, you know, I, I, thought, I thought Isaiah Moss got this right at the end where he went to the basket a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. Right? But the thing for this is Wieskamp is the guy that set the tone with that. He was the first guy that did that. Uh, and, and that was instead of forcing up a three, I'm going to go to the rim and keep scoring points to keep putting the pressure on them to keep making free throws. 
And that's the kind of play you expect a junior or a senior to make. Not a guy that's a, that's a true freshman. A certain level of poise there. A certain level of headiness there. And you'll watch a lot of college basketball games, and you won't see teams have that kind of composure very often in those situations. They're just stacking and jacking, man. And the fact that he did that as a true freshman, that's just one subtle winning play example. Because here's the thing. If, you know, Bohannon did it at the end before he hit his three. Moss did it twice. But if Wieskamp doesn't do that on his possession, they don't win this game. He, he forced up a three and jacks it up, and it doesn't go. And he doesn't, he doesn't keep his poise and attack the rim and get the easy basket. Iowa doesn't win this game. And those, those are some of the subtle plays. That's what I like about his game. And when you're, when you're putting up 21 points in this league on 10 shots, I don't care who you are. That's a good stat line any night. No, you're right about that. You're, you're right about that. That is a, a great stat line on any night. Now, Iowa is at 19-5. and five. They are at 8-5. and five. Uh, I believe it's 8-5 and five in the standings. Yes, they're 8-5 and five now yes. in the standings. They go to Northwestern, and they get Maryland at home. They get Indiana at home, at Ohio State, home against Rutgers, at Wisconsin, and then at Nebraska. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more games. And again, nineteen and five. If they go four and three, Steve, if they go four and three in those games, they get to that twenty-three regular season win plateau we discussed last week that they've only done one other time in team history. And I think against that slate. I think four and three is. I think there's a pretty good chance they go at least four and three. I would agree that yes, I think they could at least they will at least go four and three, and that's what I had them in my uh, midseason Big Ten predictions uh, projection a week ago. The thing with Iowa style is I don't know that you can you will properly pick the right four and three. No question, um, no question. Or the right five and two because they're an outlier in the league. I mean, it's a league that plays as good a defense as you'll find in all of college basketball. And Iowa is the worst team defensively in this league. But they are, um, I, I think, I know Michigan State's higher and Purdue is higher in offensive efficiency. But when I look at the amount of offensive options Iowa can put on the court at any given time, um, uh, I think... Um, but, you know, I think there is I think I for, frankly, I think they're more offensively stacked than either one of those teams are. So they're 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 an outlier. And when you are the outlier team, it gets a little more difficult to WNL because if there is a night where, you know, you, you go on the road and you're 0 for 9 from three on the road, probably against like anybody, even Rutgers and Rutgers has some nice home wins this year. You go on the road at Rutgers, and you're 0 from nine. Uh, from three, which can happen on the road in this league. And, and that's where your lack of defensive stops that you won't get hurt you and you lose. And then you go on the road at Ohio state and you make 11 threes or 12 threes and you shoot them right out of their own building. So I think Iowa will be four and three or five and two. Um, I think it'll be difficult to necessarily project which four and three and five and two will be because of the style of basketball they play and the outlier aspect um, uh, that they are. And I think it's just whatever those individual matchups are on a given night. No, I think I think you sum it up well. 
I I agree with you because I mean I didn't think that Northwestern was going to beat Iowa and they 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 should have, uh, but they didn't. Um, I I tweeted this this afternoon or this morning rather that the game at Rutgers I certainly don't think is a foregone conclusion with the way that they can play. I think if Iowa is able to get Garza going again, I mean, he had four points against Indiana. He had the same number of points tonight that you and I had. Um, and that is that is the outlier that Iowa is. They can do things on the interior that no other team in the Big Ten can. But it's when you get into that little hero ball mode that Iowa was seemingly in for too much of the game against Northwestern, in addition to the, the floor spacing in this game being horrible, and I think you got to tip your cap to some of the defense that Northwestern played too. But Iowa's, Iowa's spacing didn't do itself any favors, but Northwestern was really good closing out on the perimeter. And Garza was in foul trouble, so they were not able to make teams pay for that. But, you know, get Garza going again, uh, and, and you can do some some things like that. And The Garza you know, thing I find fascinating, because I've liked, I, I liked him a lot going into this season. And if, if you saw, you know, you go back to the Iowa-Michigan game last week, and the and the the matchup that Iowa could put on the floor that gave Michigan fits is two bigs who can score on the floor at the same time, and you don't see that a lot in today's college basketball. Um, and you know uh, the the next game Rutgers tried it against us, and the other guys just nowhere near as good as as the you know any either one of Iowa's guys, and and they got blown up uh, you know on the other end of the floor, and so. I, I'm trying to think, has someone seen, has, is he just in a slump? Have, is, are people playing him differently? Have they, are, are they seeing something in his game that they're taking away? Because this kind of had just seemingly happened out of nowhere, and it's back-to-back games now. It's, fa- it's, it's, it's the foul trouble. Um, it happened early against Indiana. I think he went to the bench for good in the first half with about 13 minutes left. Um, then picked up his third foul within the first two minutes of the second half and went back. So there's no opportunity to get into a flow. And then against Northwestern, he picks up two fouls, I think, in the first six or seven minutes, both of them the exact same variety in the exact same place. He was too late getting over on help baseline defense. He, he ran to the player and didn't run to the spot to close off the baseline. He ran to the player. Mm-hmm. And he's not fast enough to run to the player and close off the baseline. So you know he he's not gonna he, he's not going to make any all defensive team. So really about Garza, it's can he stay out of that early foul trouble? And if he can, he's a load. And when he can't, it's tough to be a load from the bench. So if Iowa gets to four and three, they would finish twelve and eight in the league, right? Yes. So I go back. What was it? Wait, if they 20, if they go four and three, they yeah they go yeah twelve, 12 wins right. So twenty was it? I think it was twenty seventeen. Was the year Minnesota was plus nine in Big Ten wins from the previous season? Correct. They were, I, I the believe, Richard Pitino. Yeah, I think Did that was just a couple nine? couple of years ago, or last so, year really. So. Yeah, it would have been two seasons ago, 2017. So Iowa, we're talking about, well, it's a 20-game season, so that's two more. But plus eight? Because what Iowa was 4-14 four and 14 a year ago, correct? Correct. You know, so plus eight. 
Here's a hot take. Does that put you in the Big Ten Coach of the Year conversation if you pull that off? Well, I think that Matt Painter, if Purdue continues to um, agree, play Get well, they've lost. I agree. Yeah. Painter, Painter's going to give it, and deservedly so. I would, you know, if I was a voter, I would vote for Painter over McCaffrey. That doesn't mean I don't think McCaffrey's not done a good job. I just think that that almost gives too much of a pass for what last year was. I think that that team vastly underperformed. Um, they, yeah. they they were much they were much better the year before when Pencil and Cook and those guys and Bohannon were freshmen um, and, and had a season that I did not expect them to have. Frankly, that I might have voted for him coach of the year that year, given all the production they lost from Woodbury and Gasell and um, Utah, etc. So I think last year was a bit more of an underperformance, but no, nonetheless, a very good job. I think that this this type of season is likely when you look at you know going back to you know Bohannon and Cook's freshman year, this is the kind of season that you would have expected them to have with the the maturation and the experience. It's just that last year's step back really shook a lot of confidence, but I think you know that th- this is the up and to the right point where this program should be, considering the starting point of two years ago. It's just that I didn't expect that uh, down into the right dip of last year, if this makes any sense to you. Sure, it does. And I, I think if we took, if we just chose up good teams and put, you know, Purdue's team on one baseline and I was on another, Carson Edwards would obviously be the number one pick. I'm not so sure the next five, six, seven picks would not be all Iowa Hawkeyes. In what? If we took, if we just chose up teams, Purdue, Iowa. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. One team on one baseline, the other team on the other baseline. Carson Edwards is obviously going to be the first pick. I'm not so sure the next five, six, seven picks wouldn't be Hawkeyes. Yeah, you're. Uh, I think certainly four. I, I think certainly four. No doubt about Cook, that. Garza, Bohannon. Is three, right? Yep. I'd rather Moss. Would you put him put him in there? Would he be four over Ryan Klein? Um, I, I, I think it's a toss up. Well, first of all, I, put, I take Wieskamp over Ryan Klein anyway. Yeah. There so there there's go. four. So now we're now we're talking now we're down to, now the fifth player here. Are we talking Isaiah Moss or Ryan Klein? Basically, is the argument we're having between one of those. No, two. that's a good point. Yeah, I I, I think it's um. I think it's Painter's. I think I think that is um, that's Painter's award. But no, it's it's been a good a good year. Iowa drops uh, drops a point in the Pomeroy rankings for the win, but you know whatever. Uh, at this point in time, Iowa's NCAA. Uh, Iowa is not. This is the highest they've been in Ken Palm in three years. Yeah, it's since the end of that um, the end of the sixteen seventeen that that team actually was number one in Ken Palm for like about ten minutes. That year, uh, wow, and, and then finished like then finished twenty third, I think. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a little bit rough. We're going to talk a, a lot of basketball in the Bigger Ten podcast, so probably we'll be we will begin delving into some of those discussions right now. If we've gone any further, is there anything else? I mean, that was you know in the span of eight days, Steve. They they beat or nine days, I guess. They beat number five Michigan at home. They won at Indiana, which, you know, being a kid that grew up in the 70s and 80s, watching Indiana on CBS, 
I know. Uh, on Saturdays, yeah. that, that building still holds uh, a little more power over my mind than maybe it should. Um, and then I they, used to, when, we were, when we were growing up, I used to tell people when Katie and Knight were there in, in West Lafayette and at Mackey and at uh, Assembly Hall, you had to be at least 10 points better than them to go in there and win. Because between the talent that those teams had and the referees and how intimidated they were by those coaches, you had to be demonstrably better to go into those arenas and win in their heyday. No doubt. And so Iowa wins there. Um, and then and they, and they and they they didn't wilt. I mean these these three games. So the Michigan game, they they just they got ahead and they didn't let up. That was an impressive performance. They kept Michigan's head underwater. What Michigan get back to within five, maybe late, and then yep. Iowa Iowa yep. shifted gears and just pounded them down and beat them by double digits. And then against Indiana, they stayed ahead. Um, I think it was 15-11 Indiana in the first half. And then I think it was 28-15. Iowa also went away from the man-to-man to zone at that 15-11 point. And Iowa never trailed again. And that was on the road. And then in this game, you're down by 15 points with about 420 to go. And you win three different games. A lot of heart, a lot of toughness as the common denominator in all three. Um, not a bad way to start February. No, and uh, kind of what I hear you saying is, you know, and if you go back, um, you know, the great former Iowa athletic director who hired Hayden Fry and really established the modern era of Iowa football and uh, you know, uh, hired, uh, you know, Lute Olson and uh, 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 Tom Davis and really established a great run of Iowa basketball. Um, you know, we gave you him because uh, he's one of the great players in Michigan history uh, and Bump Elliott. And what I hear you saying is um, you guys have Michigan to thank again. Uh, we, you guys got a huge win against us. And that wasn't a fluke, but really helped establish your identity as a team and grant and, and give you huge confidence. Uh, and you've seen it play out in these next two games where you went into a place where you haven't won a lot in a long time. Uh, and then you come have a, you know, a comeback for the ages. So, you know, I just, uh, I, I thought it was really classy for you to bring that up, John. And uh, you guys are welcome, man. <laughs> Oh, for Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.